eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Jacob Redner. Jacob, we've now had a chance to meet new Florida basketball coach Todd Golden. I wanted to shoot an episode of the podcast today, first and foremost, to talk about Coach Golden now that we've had a chance to interact with him a little bit. Um, both of us got a little bit of one-on-one time with him, and we got to speak to him in, in obviously a group setting at the press conference. But then I also wanted to do uh, kind of a, a quick little lightning round recap of what we've seen through the first four uh, open practices or, or portions of open practices that we've seen, and then talking to sources you know, that are at more of practice behind the scenes, kind of go through and, and give a, a quick eval on kind of where we're at with a couple things football-wise. But I wanted to tackle basketball first, and so I'll ask you kind of right off the bat, what was your first impression of Todd Golden from today's press conference? Yeah, Thomas, I think it's important to win your first presser for any new coach. You have to come in and you have to take command of that room and really give off the right impression early. And I, I think Todd Golden did that today. Uh he touched on Billy Donovan's championship culture, which I think was important. He talked about, you know, reestablishing that. He also talked about using Billy Donovan as a resource, which I think is important and good for Florida fans to hear, because why wouldn't you want your new coach to fully embrace the most successful coach in the program's history and use that person as a, as a resource? Golden said he's going to do that. He also talked about the team shortcomings from last year under Mike White. Defensive rebounding was a problem. Three-point shooting was a problem. And he outright said this team has to be a better three-point shooting team under me because I can't play the way that they played. I thought that was good to hear. I think that that was a strong, bold statement. Um, And then he talked about recruiting, and that's the foundation for everything. And not only did he talk about recruiting, but he talked about areas that he thinks that he can help Florida improve in that regard. And one of his ideas was international recruiting. And that's something that I think is really interesting. It is a good observation that there is probably room to improve for the SEC as a whole on the international front in basketball recruiting. And he says that he wants to do that by utilizing the connections he was able to establish when he was coaching at San Francisco and during his playing career in Israel. I think that that was a really good press conference overall. And that's the biggest takeaway from today. Yeah, I think you can definitely get a sense of just the energy that he has taking this Florida job. You know, I thought he was sort of very concise on the points that he wanted to make. I loved the fact that he's already kind of, like you said, taken a look at what Florida did last year based on the personnel. And he said, look, there's no there's no real reason Florida shouldn't have been a little bit better on the glass. I think I want to say they finished 331st in the country in defensive rebounding, which, come on, for a place like Florida, 
you've got to be better. And I know that injuries played a role in that. Obviously, Colin Castleton was hurt here and there. Uh, Deruji was in and out of the lineup some. C.J. Felder had that illness. So there are reasons for all that. But I think coming in and sort of, you know, already having some things to attack based on what you've seen, that tells me at least that he's already starting to do his homework with Florida, which I think is a really good sign. Uh, I think the other thing, um, to your point, is international recruiting can definitely, you know, be somewhere that Florida pulls from that maybe historically it hasn't in the past. But I also liked that he didn't make any bones about it. He said, we're going to start locally and we're going to really kind of build a fence around the state of Florida. You've got Montverde Academy there, who unfortunately Florida lost a commitment from five-star power forward Malik Renault. Probably not going to get him back in the fold, but I think, Jacob, when you focus on recruiting, uh, you do have to win the state of Florida. And there's no reason that Florida shouldn't do that. Mike White actually did do a pretty good job, I thought, for the most part, of bringing guys in. But as I've noted to you on the podcast, I didn't necessarily sense that there was a set identity that Mike White was recruiting to. And I think you saw that reflected in the way his teams played. I did very much get the sense that that Todd Golden knows what kind of system he wants to run. And I think you'll find a lot of Florida fans that are quite happy to hear one, that he's leaning on Billy Donovan, but then two, it's going to be a three-point happy system in sort of the way that, you know, Billy Ball was back in the day. And I think Florida fans would love to get to a team that, you know, not only has guys that can make from the outside, but has uh, a lot of ball handlers. That was the other thing that stuck out to me. He wants at least four guys on the court at all times that are comfortable handling the ball. And it, it just sounds a lot like what sort of Bruce Pearl has built at Auburn. And I think we've seen that work. Yeah, and, and what guy to emulate Bruce Pearl better than Todd Golden, who knows Bruce Pearl firsthand and, and knows exactly what it took to make Auburn tick. Um, I think that one of the things that also stood out to me about Golden today was how he immediately took the opportunity to embrace analytics. He did not shy away from talking about how the numbers play a significant role in his coaching style. But one thing that I thought was really important, and we knew that he was going to do that. We actually talked about that on our last podcast where we discussed, you know, Golden's coming in and he's this new age kind of coach who tends to embrace analytics more than some other guys do nowadays. Um, I think one of the things that was important, though, was how Golden talked about the people within an analytical system. He says that it is based on the numbers, but it's also based on the people. And it's about how I'm able to take the numbers and apply them. And he said that he's been doing that since he was playing at St. Mary's under Randy Bennett. And I thought it was interesting just how much he really leaned on his past experiences in talking about how he plans to move forward with Florida. He leans on what he learned under Bennett as a player. He leans on his experience as an assistant coach at Auburn. His time at San Francisco, when he had to take players who were under the radar recruits, either in the transfer portal or by way of high school, and turn them into a, a nationally ranked product. And he was able to do that by utilizing analytics. And so I think that there's going to be a really interesting blend of Florida being a more attractive candidate to bring in higher caliber talent than San Francisco was, but he's still going to have that baseline of knowing how to make what you have at your disposal work. And that's why his analytical system is so fascinating to me. So again, I think he said the right things. And obviously we're going to have to see a lot of this in practice before it can really matter. But as far as putting the right words out there, I think that that was accomplished. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the term winning the press conference. You know, I don't, I don't know how important that is. I know that it's always good when you leave a good first impression with the fans, and I thought he certainly accomplished that goal today. Uh, I do think one of the things that's going to be challenging is I do think, Jacob, Florida is a tough job to fully 
sort of mentally prepare yourself for in the sense that it's a lot different than San Francisco. I mean, let's just be honest. The SEC is a very competitive league. NCAA tournament results so far this season, notwithstanding, it is a very tough league. It's, it's day in and day out. You're playing very, very high quality teams. And I think it really does start with recruiting because if you don't have the players, you're not going to succeed. So I was very pleased to hear him talk a lot about recruiting. I know that you've, you've picked his brain a little bit on recruiting philosophy and, and sort of wrote about that already, how, you know, at San Francisco, he did sort of have to get a little creative finding the right guys. I don't think finding guys is going to be the issue at Florida. I think it's right. going to be selling them on sort of what you're trying to do in terms of keeping that, that well-established identity that Billy Donovan set for the program, making sure that that doesn't fade any further than maybe it has. And if you can sell, to me, I mean, the, the, the ceiling really at Florida should be pretty high. Right. And I think one of the things that he touched on that speaks to your point is he had to market a school like San Francisco that, like he said, didn't have the facilities, didn't have the dedicated strength coach, didn't have the academic personnel to help players with their schoolwork. And yet he was still able to attract players to come be a part of his system. And so he basically said, now imagine me putting myself into a scenario where I have the athletic staff. I have the academic staff. I have the training facilities that are marketable and that I can put out there and use as a resource and as a recruiting tool to attract prospective student athletes to want to look at Florida and eventually come to Florida. I think that that is really important because this guy has a foundational knowledge of recruiting in a place where it was really difficult to recruit, not only because of the lack of resources and facilities that San Francisco had, but think about who he was competing with, Thomas. He was working against Gonzaga. Yeah, that's a tough He's working conference. against BYU. He's working against UCLA, Cal, Stanford. Uh, you know, these are nationally prominent programs that do have all of the things that he said he never had access to when he was with San Francisco. So I think it's an advantageous thing from the jump for Todd Golden to be putting himself in a scenario where he doesn't have to worry about those things anymore. Money, resources, uh, facilities, those are at his disposal now. And I think that that's a game changer for a guy who's really never been used to that. Yeah. And Jacob, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Todd Golden. I mean, I, I've been pretty, pretty honest about that. I haven't watched a whole lot of San Francisco. So really we're, at least for me, I'm relying a lot on what other people have said about Todd Golden, the people that are close to him. I did think it was interesting that Scott Strickland, when we kind of got him off to the side, said that they interviewed several candidates or at least had several candidates under consideration. And they sort of, you know, when they sat down with Todd Golden and it was a, a multi-person interview, meaning Florida had not just Scott Strickland there, but they had, you know, Chip Howard, Linda Teeler, a lot of those executives uh, within the UAA were kind of sitting in on this joint interview process. And when Todd Golden finished and sort of walked out of the room, Nobody even really had to say anything. They all just kind of knew that he was the guy. So obviously he's impressive in that sort of setting. And I think, you know, his background before he got into coaching, when he was in sales after his playing days ended, probably play into that. It, it makes me hopeful that he'll be able to uh, do what Florida needs him to do from the recruiting standpoint. But I thought that was interesting that, you know, the, the, the timeline of the whole hire, uh, because it seemed to happen pretty quickly, but you know, and, and a lot of times ADs will tell you, you know, he was always our number one guy. We got our number one guy. I thought it was interesting, at least, to hear that Florida had multiple candidates that it sort of looked at and, and centered on Todd Golden. Because right or wrong, Scott Strickland will be judged to some degree by this hire. You've already got Mike White going to Georgia, so you're going to be compared against that. 
LSU hires Matt McMahon. So, you know, you've got the guy that coached against Todd Golden and knocked his team out of the NCAA tournament, albeit in overtime. Uh, but you've got interesting storylines. So I don't know. To me, the, the storylines going forward are, are as interesting as the hire itself right now. Because, you know, if fans want us to make a judgment on this hire, I, I just can't do that right now. But I can tell you, um, a lot of people think pretty highly of him. And certainly Scott Strickland was one of them. Yeah, and I think that that's all we're reacting to right now is just mm -hmm. kind of what we're able to see and hear on what is really day number one, the introductory press conference. It's how did Golden carry himself throughout the press conference? I'd say that he passed that that test. How did Strickland speak of his newest hire? He was glowing, uh, like you just said. Um, not that we would expect him not to be, but I think that like, you know, there were things that were said that are indicators that there was a search process and that this was the guy who really stood out. And you can tell sometimes when that's really actually the case and when it's not so much the case. And I did get the impression today that Todd Golden was really the guy they wanted. And it sounded like Florida was the school Todd Golden wanted. And that is important. And Todd Golden touched on that multiple times. So it obviously is too early to make any sort of judgment. And there's a lot to be seen from recruiting to roster retention with That's what he has now. Right now. Yep. That that which is huge. And and those are things that are going to unfold over the next couple of weeks and months. And only then can we start to really make a judgment. But based off of day number one, off of comments number one, off of reactions number one, I would say really good. Yeah, I, I thought one of the funniest moments of the press conference, uh, sort of right at the end, Patrick Young, who's a former Florida player, was on that Final Four team in 2013. Uh he got the mic and, and sort of asked Todd Golden, you know, are you going to be one of those guys like Bruce Pearl, like Eric Musselman, that's, you know, going to get out there and take his shirt off to, to sort of rile up the fan base. And, you know, Golden kind of laughed and joked that that Musselman shouldn't be taking his shirt off. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but one thing, I, the reason I mentioned that is having Patrick Young around, I know that Patrick sort of offered himself as a resource to Todd Golden. And it seems like there's a push uh, from really, I think, the entire Florida Athletics Department right now and I don't think it's a basketball specific thing because I think you're seeing it happen with Billy Napier too but getting former players guys that were on some of these championship type teams getting not only feedback from them but getting them involved in sort of the building process as you restart this thing in the basketball uh, on the basketball side and I thought you saw Florida put out a video with a bunch of former you know alumni that that were kind of welcoming Todd Golden as he watched this on the, the big jumbotron in the O-Dome and I thought that was it was just cool to me and I think you know, for a lot of Florida fans that feel like, you know, Billy sort of left the program in a place where it had never been before and want to see it kept there, I think involving guys from that era is is only a positive. And so that was the the last little takeaway I had. I, I love that. I love anytime a new coach comes in and, and is not scared of or um, I guess hesitant to embrace uh, sort of because it is one thing you do want to install your own footprint and, you know, put your fingerprint on things, but you also... I think it's important to draw from the past and, and Todd Golden, at least with what he's saying, seems like he's, he's cool to do that. So Jacob, let's take a quick break and we'll come back on the other side. We'll spend a little bit of time on spring football. We've had two more practices that we've seen now, I think since our last podcast, again, I don't know how much we're seeing, but I think it's always cool to just uh, talk about what we're seeing. So we'll do that right on the other side of this break. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. 
get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Jacob Rudner. We want to get to a little bit of spring football. We've had four open practice windows now. We've had a chance to hit sources that are at practice, talk to coaches uh, in normal interview settings, get their thoughts, other players. I wanted to kind of just run down a couple interesting angles, I thought, Jacob, and I threw these together right before we hopped on. So they're very sort of spur of the moment and uh, kind of what pops to mind. But I guess first off, Jacob... Let's talk about the player we're most pleasantly surprised by this spring. And for you, I'm sure that's a little bit different because you may maybe not have quite as much of the backstory. Uh, but who's kind of stood out to you in that way, in in positive way? Well, it's interesting because based on our subscribers' responses to what I've said about this person, it actually seems like it, I would maybe have had this reaction had I been here before too. Uh, Corey Collier has been really good. I mean, quick. Uh, he has earned praise from Patrick Tony pretty consistently. And I think one of the things that you and I can actually judge from our time at practices is level of effort because we aren't seeing 11 on 11 or seven on seven, even we're really only watching a skill development period with drills and we can see how much guys seem to be trying and whether or not that's consistent across all the sessions. And he's been doing that. So he's my standout so far. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. I, I know that you had pointed him out yesterday and like you said, I mean, what we're seeing is primarily athleticism. You can see, uh, sort of strength or, you know, physical stature and all that. And uh, he's a guy that I think, like you said, has earned some praise from the coaching staff. And anytime you have a new staff, you have guys that maybe fans thought maybe were off the radar that get a new opportunity. So I think that's a cool pick. My pick is actually a guy from last year that I was really high on that didn't end up sort of cracking into the rotation. And he's at receiver. He's had an opportunity in the slot with Trent Woodmore out for the first couple days. He's now returned in a non-contact jersey. Uh, but Dejon Reynolds, he's a guy that's a, a redshirt freshman. I think a lot of people were high on Marcus Burke last year. He started to get involved late in the season. But I love what Dejon Reynolds is, is able to bring to the table. I think he's really good catching the ball in traffic. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of him in the open session so far. So this is a little bit based more on talking to sources. Um, but I think given Florida's needs at receiver, especially in the slot, it, it's very interesting to me that Florida's sort of working him in there. And I think he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on going forward. So let's let's move to our next topic. One thing we did not expect so far, and I'll go ahead and start on this one. Jacob, I have been covering Florida since uh, like late 2009. And offensive line seems like something that we are talking about every single season. And I will say, I am actually much more optimistic about the offensive line 
having seen them working with the offensive line coaches, and I think uh, I know that you're you're working on a story in the pipeline to come on Swamp247.com about the utility of having two offensive line coaches and then multiple, it's like three or four different off-field staffers that are also working with those guys. But I think the combination of that and just the physical stature of the offensive line, I think this group has the chance to be really good. We know that John Hevesy recruited really big dudes. Guess what? Billy Napier does too, because Cameron Waits is a large human being, and I'm sure that he's still very raw. I don't say that to sort of get fans expecting him to to play from day one, but I think you've got the building blocks to be pretty good. And given the focus and the emphasis that Florida staff is putting on there, Osiris Torrance starting to mix in with the starters back and forth, I think you're already at, I would say for sure, six guys that I feel comfortable with being the starting five and then either Torrance or Braun, depending on which guy's repping at that time. And then I really think the, the Florida staff seems pretty comfortable with Richie Leonard at center as the backup. So I think they're starting to get seven deep. Michael Tarquin, I think, has been a positive surprise this spring. But I'm not sure that I would have felt that way before we've been out there and kind of seen them. So I'm curious to see what did you not expect maybe coming into spring practice? I don't know that I didn't expect this, but this is more of a pleasant observation slash I've enjoyed seeing it type of thing. Uh, Billy Napier's involvement in practices has been tremendous. I mean, this guy is in the thick of everything and he's predominantly working with quarterbacks, but the level of involvement when he is coaching is really actually, it's interesting to watch. I mean, this guy is critiquing everything that happens. He is there to give praise when praise is deserved, but he is also just as easily quick to make a critique if one is necessary He is offering motivational phrases. He is saying things constantly to his players. And I have really enjoyed seeing him be as involved as he is in each session. I don't know that I'm surprised by that because he just kind of strikes me as the type of person that would be that way in a practice. But I'm going to chalk it up to my surprise because it's something that I wanted to shout out, if you will. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. We were talking to Josh Thompson, who's the director of football ops under Billy Napier yesterday. And and one of the things he pointed out was just how good Billy Napier is at sort of multitasking and not missing anything. And one of the examples he gave was a super small example, but I thought it was kind of cool. Billy Napier is out there coaching quarterbacks one day and he kind of just out of the side of his eye sees parents watching the practice and they're standing there and they just sort of looked uncomfortable. Well, we get out there. Uh, on Tuesday, Jacob, and the setup was a little bit different. In between the indoor practice facility where those garage gates lift up, they had bleachers. And a bunch of people took advantage and sat down. And that came from Billy. Like, that's one of the things that Billy Napier, while working with the quarterbacks, while running all these other things, just noticed out of the corner of his eye. And, you know, when you've got the staff infrastructure there, that's one of the things he says, hey, you know, Josh Thompson, let's get on this. And sure enough, they did. I, I think those are cool little anecdotes for fans here. I wanted to share that. Final, final thing I wanted to hit on today, Jacob, the most intriguing remaining storyline for the team. Uh, do you want to go with this one or you want me to start? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick this one off. And it's based off of something that Billy Napier told us on Tuesday. And that is that he believes his wide receiver room is thin. He said as much. Uh, I am curious to see who's going to step up in that room and make an impact. And I think we know who that group's top players are. But I think it's right below that top group that is a huge question mark still. And we've actually said on the podcast, and we've written about it on the site as well, that there's been a lot of not so great days for the wide receiver room. And that's in a very limited observation window, of course. But I still think that it has been poor enough that it's noteworthy 
in several practices so far. So I think the biggest spring storyline remaining in my eyes is what is the wide receiver room going to look like next week? What's it going to look like by the end of spring ball? And who is going to start to stand out? I think that it's important and we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I think that's a spot where you could easily see a transfer added after the spring as well. I don't think that's out of the question at all. I think when you talk about the lack of sort of explosive playmakers that we've seen, that's one of the reasons I'm intrigued by Dejon Reynolds. But I don't, I don't think there's any question. I would not be surprised to see Florida take somebody in the transfer portal. And speaking of the transfer portal, I, I don't want to speculate. So let me just lay it out this way. My most intriguing remaining storyline is a position that has already been impacted by the transfer portal quite a bit. And that's linebacker, where we've seen basically Amari Bernie, Dewan Black, uh, Scooby Williams, and Derek Wingo sort of all rolling through. They've all repped with the starters at different points. Ventrell Miller's been out there only on Saturdays. Uh, we found out yesterday from Billy Napier that he's got a class conflict on Tuesdays and Thursdays, sort of a, a senior-level class that he needs to graduate. Jacob, I got to tell you, that's pretty unusual for a starting caliber player to have a class conflict like that. So I don't, you know, maybe that's a thing where there was so much going on when Florida first got the campus that it just sort of fell through the cracks. Maybe Florida's comfortable enough with Ventrell. But all I'm saying is that room has questions as is, and it doesn't have a lot of veteran leadership outside of him. So I, hopefully there's nothing beyond that going on, that he's just trying to finish a class. He's rehabbing. He is cleared from the torn biceps. Uh, but regardless of whether or not Ventrell Miller is there going forward and in the fall, it's still an interesting position to me to watch shake out because I think a lot of fans feel like Amari Bernie's got to either take the next step or it's time to get someone else in there. He just wasn't physical enough taking on blocks and engaging and shedding blockers last year. Just didn't seem to have that instinctive uh, desire to get in there and, and mix things up physically. And And he looks the part. I will say I think he's added some weight this spring. But I'm really sort of watching that group, like you talked about with receiver, that next cut above the guys that have already sort of contributed. Who are the guys between Dewan Black, Derek Wingo, and Scooby Williams who step up and sort of force their way into a starting role? I like Dewan Black a lot. I think he's a very, very instinctive player. I wonder about the physicality when he's asked to play in between the trenches. But I think we're going to see a lot of movement at linebacker, especially once the team starts getting into you know, its scrimmages and then eventually the spring game. I think that's a spot that will be well worth keeping an eye on going forward. Jacob, anything else to add? Do we, do we miss anything today? I think that that should cover it. This was uh, our brief recap of the, the basketball press conference. We covered our, our quick hitter football topic. I think we're good. All right. Well, that'll do it today for the Swamp 24-7 podcast, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. And we'll be back probably Saturday, maybe Sunday, uh, with a look at football as we get a chance to see a little bit more and talk to some more guys, get a, get a pulse on a couple different things. So we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 